Welcome to the Outpost Church podcast for Discipleship Training Week 2023. This year, our theme was All He Asks is Everything. Over the next few episodes, you'll be encouraged by a variety of speakers who actively lay down their lives to serve God and His kingdom. We hope that as you listen, you feel inspired to further understand what it means to follow Jesus and surrender all aspects of our lives to Him. We hope you enjoy. I'm going to introduce... Tim and Heidi Coleman over here, give us a wave. Um, I'm really excited. I've just met Tim and Heidi this morning, um, but their reputations preceded them. Um, When we were talking about, you know, this theme and we were discussing it with Nick, um, uh, actually, also, I don't know if I didn't introduce myself. I'm Christy, and my husband Shane and I are the pastors here at Outpost Church. Shane's just doing a drop-off. Thanks, Mom. That's my mom there, so just be prepared. She does heckle, so just pre-warning you. Um, yeah, Shane will be back shortly. He's just doing a school drop-off. Busy week. We've got five kids, so, you know, life is full. Um, yeah, <laughs> nothing, isn't it? You've got six, right? Yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, Tim and Heidi have since uh, 2001... They found themselves in a position where the pastor had left the the town that they were in at the time and um, they kind of fell into, by the sounds of it, leading a home church group. And over the years that's grown and they've really become like apostolic leaders in the Air Peninsula, starting church groups around um, the region um, and going around and equipping and equipping the saints, encouraging people. And they have a real passion for healing ministry uh, as well, inner healing, I think, and physical healing. So I think they've got a lot of experience in that area, which I think is really exciting, and I'm keen to learn more from them. But, you know, really, I think a great start to our week in in tackling this thing of all he asks is everything, of living a life laid down to serve God's people, the community. Um, Heidi works one day a week as a pastoral care support worker at the local school and Tim does TRT as well but they're mostly doing ministry and living by faith in that role so you know that's pretty encouraging inspiring and challenging for us Um, and I know we're going to be really blessed by what you guys have to bring and I hope that it's also a blessing for you as you come and share with us so let me pray for you um, and get you up. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for Tim and Heidi and for the way that you have empowered them, the way that they have lent in and responded and said yes to you when when opportunities arose, when needs arose, that they stood up and, and gave themselves, gave themselves to your people, to the building up of your church uh, in the Air Peninsula. And we thank you for their faithful ministry over 20 years of serving your people in that place. And that's no small thing, and we just want to honor that and acknowledge that and um, bless them in that. And Lord, I pray that we would be able, we would be blessed, and we would be receptive to what they have to bring. And I pray that, yeah, they would be so aware of your presence on them now as they teach and as they lead us, that they would be responsive to your spirit. Um, we pray your great blessing over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's great to be here. Uh, 
we just we just love the the atmosphere in here already. It just feels like home. It feels like uh, somewhere that we belong. So, you know, thank you for your hospitality and the awesome coffee that we had this morning and prayer. Um, so, yeah, we have six kids, and uh, we found ourselves in a situation where we went from being in a pew to kind of running a church in one Sunday. Uh, and so we're sort of like, you know, we didn't know that the, the pastor decided to leave to move the church somewhere else into a different town and uh, people were, were sort of supposed to go that way. And we just felt that we were planted in a, in a small town and Minipa's three streets by three streets on a grid. So, you know, it's a total of 60 or 70 people. So it's not the place that you go, you do a church planting school or something and go, yeah, let's plant something there. Uh, but that's how it sort of worked out. And uh, so... People sort of started to come along and, uh, you know, we, uh, over 20 years, you'd have five people, 10 people, 15 people, then back to five, 25, 30, 40, back to five. Uh, you know, Minipa's not the place that anyone comes to stay. So, um, but over the last few years, uh, you know, we've it's been praying, we're, we are really ordinary people. So, uh, you know, we're not kind of, um, uh, you know, we... we we love God. That's kind of our main claim to fame. You know, we don't have extraordinary skills. Uh, you know, we're not extraordinary speakers or even incredibly charismatic people. Uh, our testimony is the power of uh, a life yielded to God. So, uh, so we have six kids, five boys and one girl. And uh, so our youth is, is really doing well at church because they just bring their friends People say, a pastor asked me the other day, because we, we might have sort of like 40 adults and 25 young people on a Sunday, and they're like, you know, we should get you to come and like talk about how you do it. I'm just like, well, if you start off by having six kids, and then your kids bring their friends, and their friends come along, then that's how you build a youth group. So we don't really know anything, really. But uh, this, this part of thing of discipleship is really on my heart. Well, that's, that's Heidi and my thing. Uh, when I first started doing church, you'd get people saved and um, we would sort of go and talk to people and stuff and share the gospel and through relationship, you know, get them to come to Christ. And I realised that that was actually, that's an easy thing. It sounds hard, but that's the easy bit. The hard bit is the discipleship of where you walk daily with that person, uh, you share your life with them, they share their life with you and you get to a place where you know, they are kind of independent Christians or codependent on Jesus, really, it's what it is. But, you know, they are walking on their own and they are doing that with other people. And for some Christians, that is five minutes after they're saved. You know, they are just, are we, uh, this guy came to know Jesus the other day, he is straight away ringing his family. You know, within uh, a fortnight or three weeks of him being saved, both his parents know Jesus. You know, so this is sort of, there's there's a real shift in our in our climate in Australia at the moment. So if we're talking about discipleship, I want to start with a verse. I'm just going to read it. Uh, my glasses. Uh, so this is uh, where are we? We are Luke. Uh, Luke 14:26. So Luke 14:26, and it says. Uh, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his, his father and his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
So I'll read that again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brother and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Out of the Amplified, uh, out of the Amplified, it says it a little bit differently. It says, if anyone comes to me, and so capital M for me, meaning that it's talking about Jesus, and does not hate his own father, mother, in the sense of indifference to or relative disregard for them in comparison to his attitude toward God and likewise his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, he also cannot be my disciple. So, when we're comparing our love for Jesus and our love for others, there needs to be, as this says, a a sense of indifference and relative disregard for them in comparison to our love for God. It's not that we should hate these people because, you know, we, we know that we should love them. We know that we should love our wife. We know that we should love our own bodies. We should love the people around us. But there needs to be this gulf between number one in our life, which is God, and everything else. And there has to be, we've got to get this order right of number of God is number one and above everything. Otherwise, what we do is we're sort of doing Christianity and then other things as well. And uh, I kind of liken it to, it's interesting what Christy said, because we've been doing a thing in our church this last sort of month on God's love, but our focus has been God at the centre of everything. You know, so making sure that God is at the centre of our relationships, God is at the centre of our, of our uh, you know, marriage relationship, God is at the centre of my work, everything that I do, God needs to be just number one and I need to be viewing what I do in this community through that lens. Um, so I want to, uh, so what we're going to do for this first session is I'm going to, I'm going to talk a bit, then we're going to tag my wife in. Uh, now we've, we have, uh, do we have six sites I think something like that at the moment? So we have, we have a, a main church kind of thing that uh, some adults and some kids and then when we get some people coming from a long way away, uh, we start a group there. So we've got some sort of sort of small groups, a house group, a group that meets in a shed, and a group at Port Augusta. So our kind of where we go is about 300 k's from one church to another. So a normal kind of church week for us, we would do around about a thousand k's. Now um, that might sound a lot, but it takes it takes the two of us to do that job. So we're kind of like. I'm half of one side of it and, and Heidi's the other half. And so if I'm away, she's there, you know, that kind of thing. So we, we, we don't have kind of the whole thing unless we're both in it together. So, you know, Heidi is, is one half of that, that equation. So what that means is that when one of us is away, we're not really, uh, we're not really full, if you know what I mean. So you might notice that in the, in the, in the church with, with your pastors. You know, it's that husband and wife team that is, is really important to the, to the whole running of the organisation. And so that relationship has kind of got to be kept in order. So what I want to talk about is I want to talk about a day in the life of Jesus. So I'm going to talk for 30 minutes, then Heidi's going to have a crack. And we're moving toward doing ministry. So that's kind of our whole focus. So Heidi and I, uh, our whole thing is about ministry. It's about... Uh, working with people, seeing them healed, seeing them set free from addictions. Uh, I also do some stuff in the Port Augusta prison through Kairos. 
uh, you know, that's just my heart. So deliverance, all that kind of stuff that goes into it. So Heidi does inner healing. So what we're going to do is that's why we're sort of dividing it up and we're going to talk about it. So we're going to we'll pray for people with pain and Heidi will kind of talk about some inner healing stuff. And our whole purpose of kind of doing it is to demonstrate what we do so that uh, you guys in the walk that you're in, you can build upon what you're already doing with people that you're praying for. But Matthew uh, 14, in verse 12, we're going to talk about um, uh, about where the, uh, the, the story of where um, Jesus is taking fish and he's multiplying it to feed people. But we're going to start the line before. So in Matthew 14, 12, it says, Then his disciples came back and took away the body and buried it. And went and told Jesus. And when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. So again, this is the story of the feeding the 5,000. But we're starting that line early because Jesus just had some bad news. He's just heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. This is a big news for Jesus. This is, this is Jesus hearing that this probably the one person in this life, apart from his mother Mary who he really gravitates toward, who really gets him. I mean, you know, the, the, the Bible talks about John the Baptist being this person that, uh, you know, was the greatest, you know, in the Old Testament prophets. And ironically, never did a miracle. All he did was proclaim the Messiah's coming and call people to repentance. Sort of it helps us to see really where God's heart is for people to come to know him. So Jesus gets this information and he knows this ministry opportunity is coming up where he's got to, you know, he's got to perform, he's got to do the things that he needs to do. And so he goes away and takes time on his own. Now, in order for us to do the things that we're called to do as Christians, we have to have a strategy that enables us to take time away from the things that we're doing, whether they're good things, you know, they might be holy things, it might be preaching, or it might be work, or it might be family commitments, whatever it is that is draining us, we have to take time away to be replenished. Uh, and, uh, you know, the context of this whole kind of recount, we see the two bookends of, these, of this story is Jesus going to be on his own and then the, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus goes back to be on his own again. And he actually sends the disciples away. So, you know, we, we kind of know that, uh, that these things happen. And the interesting thing about, I mean, we won't read the, the recount because... Everyone knows the story really well. But the interesting thing, it says in verse 14, it says, And when Jesus went out and he saw the great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. The important thing for us as believers is that we are moved by compassion to help. We're not moved by wanting glory. We're not moved by uh, wanting our name up in lights. We're not moved even by, you know, really wanting people to come into our church. We are moved simply by the fact that we have compassion for these people. And that compassion comes from Jesus. We don't create it. We can't, because as people, if we try to create that compassion, what we do is we love the lovely and we miss the unlovely. You know, we miss people that, that don't have something that would endear them to us and draw us to them. You know, that, the, the homeless person that, that is sitting in the corner in the shadows and we miss them as we're walking past, you know, to meet with the, the business manager or something in the cafe. You know, God wants us to see the one that is lost. And so this is a, just, I, I love this. And I love this verse, I love this kind of story all the way through. 
But if we go uh, to verse 15, it says, And when evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place. The hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. And in verse 16, it goes on saying, Jesus said to them, they, don't, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And in verse 17, it says, And they said to him, We have only five loaves and two fish. And he says, Bring them to me. Now, the, we, what we see here is the disciples believe they have nothing. They have nothing to offer. And in that place of offering nothing, there's kind of nothing for God to use. You know, we, we often have only a little bit. We often feel like it's nothing, but it might just be like one cent or it might be a boy's lunch. But what we can do is we can take what we have and we can offer it to Jesus. And in that offering, releases faith for something miraculous to happen. And, uh, you know, the Greek renders this in an interesting way. It, it almost sounds like, you know, as Jesus divided up the bread and he gave it to his disciples to then go and divide it up more, it's almost like the bread was sort of grabbed and then you'd take a chunk of the bread off and then that chunk would just reappear. The, the miracle happens in your hand in the giving away. The miracle happens in your life in the giving away of your time and in the sowing into someone who doesn't deserve it. In the, in the praying for people that have need, in the staying with that, in that, by that hospital bed when that person just is distraught and praying your best prayer. You know, the Bible says that we're not heard for, for our eloquent words or our many words. You know, often we think, uh, you know, I've just got to got to just get the right words to pray in this situation. When in actual fact, we just need to pray from our hearts. We need to release those things that God has called us to say and to do. So um, this sort of story concludes with, in verse 20, it says, you know, and they ate uh, and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. It's interesting that, that when we, we sow into people in God's way, there is a huge amount of leftovers. There's leftovers for us, there's leftovers for our families, leftovers, you know, throughout our whole community. There is a trail of blessing that follows when we just do things God's way. Uh, and it goes on in verse 20, it said, Then immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Well, he sent the, the multitudes away. So again, Jesus is sending the disciples away, so even his three and his, and his twelve uh, and other people that were part of his entourage, he's sort of sending them away so he can spend time with God the Father. You know, we, if Jesus needed to do this over several days, so what are we looking at, maybe three-day kind of process here, he has spent one day before that and then the last day of those three days with God the Father. You know, I would have loved it if he'd taken Matthew along and Matthew had sort of scribed it all down and, you know, we had like a word-by-word -word account but that would be a little bit like if, uh, you know, you were, to, you were to hear two people that were in love and they were talking to each other. And, you know, they were whispering things and they were, you know, that kind of intimate kind of uh, talk that someone who really knows somebody would, would say. And so I kind of asked that as a disciple of Jesus, as somebody who has given everything, do you talk to God like that? Do you, I was talking to a lady yesterday, uh, she said, I talk to God like that, I don't listen to God like that. She was like, I just do all the talking. You know, I thought, yeah, I can identify with that sometimes. 
You know, do we listen with that same intent in which we're talking? Because we remember, you know, God knows all the things that are upon our heart. He knows what we're about to say. So we could actually be saying, God, look, you know what's in my heart. I just need to listen to you. So, uh, so we, we, we hear that, you know, Jesus said, look, you're going to the other side. So he expected that the disciples would know that they were about to go uh, across the other side of the lake and that when that storm come, they weren't to be worried by it. So, you know, the very next thing is, so Jesus, they fed the 5,000, uh, the disciples are going out in the lake and they start to panic, just to kind of paraphrase all this. Now, remember, these guys are fishermen. So this is not just like me at Venus Bay panicking because the waves are big and the water's coming in or whatever. Uh, this, these are sailors. These are fishermen. So, you know, if, if you ever go out, we've got a, a guy in our Streaky Bay church, he's a professional fisherman. If I was to go fishing with him and saw him panicking, that would be some reason for me to panic. Okay, so these are half of them are fishermen. They are panicking because of what's happening. Now, Jesus walks out because he's just been with the Father. He now walks out on the very storm that they believe is going to kill him. In my Good News Bible that I got in kids' church when I was a kid, it had this picture painted and had a, like, a, uh, like a billiard table kind of like a lake that he, Jesus was walking on. It had the, the moon sort of shining across and Jesus comes up with the moon at his back sort of walking on. It was a very kind of romanticised look. But if you look at the word, it doesn't say it like that. It, it, Jesus could have been jumping from top of wave to top of wave. Maybe he was just like smashing through them. But it was such a sight that the disciples thought this is a spirit. You know, and this is the God we serve. Not a kind of a, a clinical kind of, uh, uh, you know, like a romanticised version. This was a, a practical saviour who was, even in his approach to the boat, is demonstrating his uh, godly authority. And, you know, the whole kind of scenario of him you know, Peter saying to him, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. Tell me to get out of the boat. And, Je- and Jesus says, it is me, so come. And, you know, Jesus, I mean, Peter walking on the water. Now, as disciples of Jesus, we need to expect that we can do these things. Hallelujah, Hallelujah that's right. Yeah. So um, I'll just give you a couple of quick testimonies. So, um, so just from this weekend, we've been praying. So one of the things that we do is, as I said, we're ministers first. That's our thing. So one of the things that I've been noticing is I've been noticing lots of pain in people's bodies. And so we've been, you know, praying through these processes. And we're going to go through a process, uh, you know, this afternoon or tomorrow morning so that we can sort of hook in with Jesus and we, we actually listen to him. So in our next message, we're going to talk about listening. And uh, because what often happens is as we go to minister to someone, particularly if they've got pain or if it's on a hospital room or whatever... One of the reasons that we actually miss what's really happening is because we go, I've done this before, or to do this, or I was trained to do it this way, I need to read the Bible, then I need to do this. Whereas actually God wants to do things often differently every time we actually approach somebody. And we need to hear his heart, and we need to hear his spirit. We need to hear his words, and then speak that. And we stay in that place of truth. Because it's actually the truth that actually sets people free. It's the truth that actually brings freedom from their bodies and all that kind of stuff. 
so uh, yesterday at, at church, we had a guy come to church and he had pain in his hip. So he'd, um, his car had broken down or something had happened. He'd given it a big push and nothing had happened. He didn't really feel anything. But the next morning, he woke up with pain. And so his pain was about 12 out of 10, he said. Look, it was... So he was just in bed. So he spent all day in bed. Him and his wife started praying for it and the, the pain would sort of go up and it would go down and come back and forth and that kind of stuff. So they, they rang Heidi and I. We were driving somewhere. So we had like limited time because of phone reception. So we are just sort of talking to him about this stuff. So the first thing that we do when we go to pray for someone is we want God's perspective on it. So um, Heidi and I, we've been believing, we've been trying to trust God for like our whole life. And we've been praying for the sick because I, I just thought, look, we should just be praying for people. We should just be believing what it says in the Bible. Let's just try that. And so for a good number of years, we believed and we prayed and we saw very little. But in the last few years, we've just seemed to have built up a, a place where we're hearing and we're willing to act straight away. So we're trying to, every time that we come in contact with someone and we go to pray for someone, we're like, we're not moving until we know we've heard something. So this guy says he's got pain and he's in the, he actually just says he's got pain to start off with. And so I said to him, uh, Holy Spirit, where is this pain? So I see a picture of the kind of front of his hip, um, sort of right there and then coming back this way. So I say, is your pain here and there? And he says, it is. Now you can, I mean, you can think, well, that's a coincidence. But what I'm thinking of is, uh, we need to hear from God, and if we know that we're hearing from God, then we know that God is going to answer our prayer. We, we have this confidence that wells up. So we pray for him, and just in a 30-second prayer, keep it short, and we train our people to pray for healing as if you're praying on the street. So drop the religious words out, listen to God, act, pray, and then check. Uh, and so we pray with the guy, and his pain dropped down to about 5 uh, and, uh, and it was decreasing and, and then the phone cut out so, and we were ministering somewhere else so we just sort of had to leave that. Yesterday morning he came back and his pain had gone up and down overnight. So we came to church, we prayed for him at the end and the first thing that we do when we go to pray for someone with pain and you would know this yourself if you've been in that situation is that pain takes away your peace and you start to have thoughts that you wouldn't normally have like what if I'm like this for the rest of my life? What if this takes away my ability to walk later in life? What if this is permanent? What if it's my fault? We go through all that stuff. So the first thing that Heidi and I do when we sit down and pray with someone like that is we go, let's get this person back to peace. Now, peace isn't the absence of war. It's actually a spiritual thing that God actually puts on us. It says, Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives you, do I give unto you. So it actually comes from Jesus. So once we get that, that person back to a place of peace, Often we don't have to pray for the pain. The pain just leaves. So this guy, once we got him to peace, his pain just left out of his hip. So we, one of the other things that we do, because we're ministers, we're not like uh, trying to do this to put up a YouTube thing or whatever. Um, we're like checking. So, you know, I've rang him uh, once since and text him to make sure that this person still has no pain in his body. And so these things are like... Uh, they're not complicated things for us to do as believers. But uh, I have a church in Port Augusta as well, so we do a lot of sort of door-to-door -door stuff and, and stuff on the street. People who don't know Jesus 
get this really quick. But us who have been in the church, who have been kind of taught all sorts of stuff, we're the ones that actually really struggle to apply this. We say, look, I believe it, but I can't do it. And, you know, for a good many years, that's the place that Heidi and I were in. You know, we we believed it, we knew what the Word said about these things, but we struggled to get from, look, I, I know what the Word says, to actually praying. So that's the kind of bit that we want to we want to kind of display for you guys today. So I'm going to wrap up with a couple of things, and then Heidi's going to talk about the inner inner healing side. But I've got one more verse, so we want to stay on track. Okay, so one Corinthians one eighteen, one Corinthians one eighteen says, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing." But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Quite often when we go to talk to someone, whether it's about healing or about the gospel, we try and win a mental argument. All right? We're trying to like address up here. The gospel doesn't come for up here. You know, the Jews believed that out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. So the, the Holy Spirit kind of interacts with your spirit, if, you know, if we take what the Bible says and, and what the Jews believed, kind of in your belly somewhere down here. The important thing for us Westerners is that it's not here. It ends up there. So uh, us as Christians, uh, uh, our desire to hear, we have to let go of some stuff. We've got to let go of some ways of thinking. We've got to let go of, of our brain being in charge and we have to kind of lock in and let, let God speak to our spirit and let it pop up into our head. Some people will go through a few things, like sometimes you have a, a voice in your head that's like your kind of self-talk voice, but it's different. Other people see in pictures, there is like a hundred different ways in which God can actually speak to us. And we're not, we will demonstrate a couple of things that we do, but God is not limited to those things. And, and I encourage you to go on a journey with God and say, God, how do you talk to me? How is it that you want to impart information so that I can be guided every moment by your spirit and so but this makes no sense this is actually foolishness when you try to explain this before you see it demonstrated you think how can this be i do this how does it not work or if you're trying to explain it to someone who doesn't know jesus now the interesting thing is one of the reasons we go on the street and we talk to people about this stuff and we demonstrate it is because one of, the, one of the things that holds people back when they come to know Jesus is that they've had, you know, maybe they've seen the gospel articulated clearly and their brain says yes. And in their spirit down here, it says, I agree with that. But what Christians often need is they actually need the physical, powerful demonstration of God's presence and power in their life at that moment. It's like it confirms, I, I know this stuff, I've, I've read it, I can see it. What I need is, I need God to show up. And, and as, a, as a little kid, in my kids' church, I used to pray, God, show up for my friends like you have in my life. Just, just be real. Show up. I don't know how you do it, but just show up. So we use this to help people. So you, uh, you, know, you, you walk around the streets, so like we Port Augusta, or you might be praying over a list of people and you think, I need to go and see that person. So you would go and you, we offer prayer. So we offer prayer with an agenda. 
with an agenda for God to show up in that person's life. That's what we're really saying. And we're willing to pray for anything that that person wants. And we're willing to partner with them till they get their answer. So we're going to help them, we're going to stand with them, but we're, we're going to pray, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to intervene in whatever circumstance. If they want to pray that uh, you know, their son or daughter has a great day at school and that's it, then that's what we partner and that's what we pray with. So we find something really practical, we find something that we can focus on and we pray. And if, if need be, we get other people involved. We, you know, the person might need some counselling, might, you know, might need a kind of physical thing as well. But my role is to do that spiritual thing and to pray with them and so that they can... And so what we'll do is we, uh, we try and get them to hear from God their answer. So when we're with them and we're praying, that's, that's the big sort of thing that we've learnt in the last few years. Like we used to, oh, here's your answer, there you go. Uh, that doesn't work like praying with someone that the Holy Spirit would actually well up in them and they would get that answer that they need. And even for healing, like yesterday when I was praying with this guy who had pain, uh, my kind of job, I mean as a school teacher, is my background, is to help that person uh, move away from me and, and stand on their own. And so we're actually helping them to hear from God and then speak to their body by demonstrating it. So I'm going to tag in Heidi and um, we might pray at the end. Um, Tim can just stay up here for a minute. I just had a thought. Um, Hi, I'm Heidi. It's so funny at our church, they're just um, like we've got a church full of kids at the moment and youth and young adults and uh, anyone gets up and Alicia was sharing, Alicia is in the red there but she's not the one from our church but it helps me to remember your name. Alicia was sharing and she got up and she um, said, uh, morning everyone and the whole church goes, morning Alicia, (laughs) just like a, you know, a school mob. Anyway, very funny. (coughs) So... Um, I'm going to talk a bit about being persuaded and why um, we can stick to what we really know and we're confident in we need to be persuaded. There is a big height difference between me and Tim. And I never, ever, ever thought I would marry someone shorter than me because I just thought, oh, I want a big guy. I was surrounded by big guys. All my cousins were taller than me and I am a tall female So it is a little bit hard to find tall guys. But I never, ever, ever thought I would marry someone shorter than me. So what I just thought when I was sitting there is be prepared for God to take you into something that you never, ever, ever, ever thought would happen. (laughs) So... Hey, look, I know I'm punching above my weight. (laughs) (laughs) So the journey was that we started to get to know each other at Roseworthy, the most, like, sinful, lustful uni. It was just, ugh. Anyway, so we got there and we had to just... um, He's taking a break. Get the mints. Um, We got involved in Students for Christ because it was, you know, I become president of it and we, you know, people become Christians there because the the opposite was um, not hell on earth, but it was, ugh, if I start the stories, you walk out. Anyway, stay here. So, 
we got to know each other as friends, but my deepest, deepest passion was that I wanted to marry someone that was my best friend. And so that was bigger and stronger than someone taller than me. So when I got to know Tim, in here is a massive, big guy, okay? So then when I started to get to know Tim, (laughs) another funny story when I was having Kimberly, he uh, pregnant uh, and actually about to give birth to Kimberly, he hopped on the table and they started scanning his uh, belly. Anyway, it was a funny story. Get off that bed, I'm about to be there. Yeah. So in here, God drew me to something that he knew I needed, wanted, and we needed to do ministry together. And I had to see that in here, not here. So I just thought I'd share that with you because it just popped in my head over there. Yes, you can go. Thank you, Tim. Okay, so I want to encourage you to be ready for something that you actually haven't thought about that God actually wants to take you to a place. Um, And it's like you might have to. What do you have to do? Well, I I quickly drop to the Holy Spirit, and I'm sort of going to encourage you guys to drop to the Holy Spirit. So if I say, what what might you have to do? What's God saying right now to you? Is it a stopping something? Is it a starting something? Is it a learning something? So the Holy Spirit can speak to you straight away about something that he wants to take you into something you haven't thought about before and to be confident in that. And that's what I'm just going to say because Tim's been talking about what we've been doing and the only way we can do what we've been doing is because we are convinced and we're fully confident. And how do you get that way? And so... um, (coughs) When you step out into something that you haven't thought about before or when you step out to pray for someone, you have to be fully convinced of who's with you and how the power of God is going to function through this moment. So for me, I grew up in a um, Christian home and for those that have, you know, things are not perfect all the time and it was awesome and we had times where we went to like the charismatic convention and stuff like that that you saw stuff happening and you just went yes this is real and going to camps and things like that when you're seeing the power of God moving in people and changing lives and your friends around you that's when you go that connects with that and this is more real than the like the world I live in so that's Build on that and then you build on that. And we have got families that are driving two hours. Now, two hours might not sound much in the city, but it's 200 kilometres every Sunday to come to our church and then they go back home again. Now, sometimes I would say to people, "Eh, hang on, you're not actually building in your community. But at the moment, they need to drive that far to get what they need. And so as pastors, we're saying, okay, come for a moment Let's get you where you need to go and then let you go, okay? So that is for you guys too. What is God calling you to do? And are you able to do that to get where you need to go? So for me, um, growing up, I just built on and built on the knowledge that God was the only answer. 
my mum had an issue with um, nervous breakdowns. And so she then became very dependent on God. And she, um, my dad and her became Christians, or my dad was brought up in a Christian uh, family. But they grew and grew as they um, actually gave their lives to God when they were married. So I saw a dependence on God and I saw a need for it. And they um, showed me that and then I saw a need for it in camps. And so I grabbed hold of Bible verses. As a kid, I grabbed hold of the Bible verse in Luke 18, 16. Jesus says to the parents, he rebukes the disciples and said, Parents, do not stop your kids coming to me because this is the way it should happen. This is the kingdom, the acceptance that people just say yes to God. So I grabbed hold of that and I thought, I'm a kid and Jesus really wants me and he loves me. And so those things, isn't it, when we grab a Bible verse and we just go, this is the Father's heart, this is how he loves me, this is how he loves you. And so then out of that, you become firm and you can become planted, don't you? And then you ooze it out to people. You say, you are special. You have got the power of God in you. The God that created this universe is active and alive in you. Just blossom and just go and just enjoy life to the fullest. And so it becomes this in you and it becomes this in them. So the foundation needs to be so secure, doesn't it? Because when you come up against bumps, and there is a lot of bumps in this world out there and a lot of stuff happening that tells you that, you know, that's a lot of fun. So why, why are you doing this and why are you not doing that? You need to be so solid, don't you, in what God says and so grounded and so ready for him to perform the miracles that need to happen and we need miracles. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have done them. So we need to start seeing the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, moving in the lives around us to be a part of our life. That's a core part. And so we need to be founded, foundation, solid, convinced by God and his power in our lives and what he's called us to do. Because there is a lot of opposition and a lot of down times. So... In Galatians 5, 22 to 26, that's the fruit of the Spirit. So I think sometimes we go, yeah, but what do we see? What's, what's out there? And when you are abiding with God and you're in him and the Holy Spirit in you, it says these are the fruits of the Spirit. And so I think sometimes we've got to keep a check on ourselves. God, how's that going? But it's not by our efforts. It's by the Spirit of God that brings those things about. The check is to say, how's it going in here? How am I going with God? Is, is everything going okay? And is it flowing well? There's no condemnation if it's not. It's just, let's get back together. Like Tim was saying, it's amazing how many times Jesus just said, I'm heading off. And it's that close relationship with him that he says, and we'll talk about that and we'll do some practice on it. Yeah, let's just move that on. I got to a point where I just said, I can't believe people are stuck. Do you see people that get to a point in their lives and you go, how come that issue just affected them? Like, why did that stop them? Or why did they get upset about that? And I, I, was, I was going, why? Like, it looks like people are, um, they're held, they're bound by something and it's like an invisible binding 
but it's got to do with a lot of how we don't learn how to release and be set free to move on to the next thing. And God has everything we need to be set free. And so we need to be convinced of that. We need to go to the Word of God and just go, soak it in. Help me to believe that I can walk on water. Help me to believe that if I need to multiply food, multiply food will happen. So it's that just being just convinced of that sort of thing and how, what do you need to keep convincing yourself with? Because the world is convincing us otherwise. We are created to follow someone. So creation happened, Adam and Eve happened and they were constantly with God, weren't they? They were walking in the evenings with God. They were catching up, they were chilling with him. And so the being-like thing, we have it in us. We see it out there. They want to be like singers, actors. Everyone wants to be like someone. So as well as looking at Jesus' life and being like him, I would encourage you to actually see someone that you see, ah, they're doing that and I want to do that. So use them as mentors and use them as like sounding off type of people. How did you do that? And what helped you get there? Um, <clears throat> with healing, I mean, when you have kids and they're not well, you just go, what the heck? And so you dig into, well, we did, who's into healing? Why are they into healing? What convinced them that healing was going to work? And so we did. We listened to stuff and uh, we'll give you the people that we've listened to. And I want you to ask questions so if you come up against something that we've been talking and you want to know, please just pop your hand up and ask because a small group is awesome. We can do that. We can go back and forward um, and work it out. Because when I'm working with people with inner healing, I need to say to them, are you confident of God's love for you? Because sometimes this forgiveness thing makes people feel condemned. But it's actually a freedom and a love that comes about with it. There's no condemnation. But we need to have that realisation that we're totally loved and we are totally set free in him. So that grounding, whatever it is, look for someone. I would encourage you to look for someone. Tim and I didn't really have many people, but now we have the internet and that is a good source as well. So just, you know, dive in and watch what God wants to teach you. Yeah, make sure they're doing it. <laughs> You actually do find people that teach things and don't do it. So that is a good point. Okay, they have to be actually doing it because we can teach a lot of stuff, but the activation of the Holy Spirit in doing it is super important. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the experience and the foundation that comes uh, with life sets you up. <coughs> and it's like a next step, isn't it? What have you grabbed hold of ready for the next thing? And I know, like, I've seen through my life that God, he prepares us for things. Like he gets us ready for things. And he gets you ready in your way. So in looking for a rabbi or a mentor, because a rabbi is someone that they just followed and they just said, I want to be like you because I see what you have and I want to follow you. You have a unique way, like Tim said, of listening to God. And so keep that in mind, that God is going to relate to you the way you are. So uh, for this, 
at the end of July camp, and it could have even been when Waverley was sharing, I don't know, but it was at the end of July camp in one of the sessions, I was sitting off to the side, and God just said to me, Nick and Waverley's church will ask you to speak, okay? I said, oh, okay, I shelved that, because I didn't need to do anything about that, and I'm not sure, it just probably prepared my heart, but God didn't say, outpost church will ask you to speak, because I would have said, outpost church what's that where's that would have I even looked into it so God talked to me the way he knew I would just know be at peace and just set up there so then when Tim got the text message a month later he started to freak out who's this what's this in asking us to speak and I said I'll oh, just say yes and he looked at me and said what because me as a wife don't I don't talk as much as I should and I don't tell Tim as much as I should So he said, just tell me next time when God tells you something, all right? So, yeah, I then said, let's sit down, Tim, and we'll have a little chat. Now, he's the good talker in our relationship, and I have never missed out because he's been such a good talker about sharing. I've been in kids' church most of my life because we haven't had a kids' church person, and he's been preaching. So he, you know, gives me a rundown of things, which is so cool. So I'm really glad I um, married a chatter. But, yeah, that's right. He's perfect for me. Short chatter. (laughs) Thanks, Kirsty. But God will talk to you the way he knows you need to hear or are going to respond in a way that is peaceful and a way that you just say, okay, that's good. So in... You know, when we do um, ministry and stuff, we do it our way. But you start to, like Tim said, you start to listen to God your way and what he wants to say to you and what he wants you to grab hold of. So we've got the ways that we've grabbed hold of the things that we do and we share them. But you make sure that it's you and God in your journey and we are very individual. I just want to share as a funny little thing... um, about these vultures. Vultures are super ugly. Ugh. Anyway, I was watching a documentary and I'd never seen this vulture before. So if you need, you can't really see him. But he's not, he's not too, I know. And we got like, yeah, you can search it up. <clears throat> he's the bearded vulture. He's very interesting. He's not a bad um, looking vulture. No. Um, Most vultures have got, you know, their skinheads and they're just ugly, whereas at least he's got feathers all over him. He's not too bad. So this bearded vulture, and I'd never heard of him before at all. And I love animals. I love documentaries. I love plants. I love outdoors. So coming here to the city where everyone's around us, I just go, ah! And then we come driving out here to McLaren Vale and go, yes, there's some farmland. Oh, Anyway, this bearded vulture has a specific uh, purpose in life and it's incredible the way he goes about it. So when, um, when like a, I don't know what it would be, goat or whatever up in the hills dies, up on top of hills, there are certain vultures that will come and will eat the meat and there's these ugly ravens with a the big, like they've got this nose 
I don't know what God was thinking. Do you ever think that? Anyway. So these vultures and ravens come and they eat the carcass and they pull everything off the carcass. Now when that carcass is seen by all these vultures, this bearded vulture goes up onto the highest point and he sits there and watches and he watches and he watches and he does not interfere with these vultures and these ravens that, you know, I want the food, get off my food. So they do argue, goodness. Anyway, so they pull the meat off this carcass and they pull every bit of meat off and they clean all the bones to the point that there's no meat left. And this bearded vulture waits and waits and waits. And he waits to the point that these argumentative vultures and ravens have gone. They fly off. And there, you know what's left? Bones. Down comes the bearded vulture. It's his turn. When I was watching this documentary, I'm going, are you kidding me? How big are these bones? The bearded vulture gets there. There's no other competition. And he starts eating these bones. How that... Like the full-on bone. And he just... He chugs it down. Chugs it. That's what I was doing when I was watching it. Are you God kidding me? You create ugly things and then they're ugly at the tea table. Anyway, so he's just downing these bones and he has no competition. And he's just downing the next one until all the bones are gone. Now, to me, I just went, he knows his position. He knows what he needs. He knows what he's called to do and he doesn't interfere. And I thought, wouldn't that be awesome if us as Christians were completely founded and convinced and just so into our own lives with God that we were happy what you're doing? You go, girl. It's awesome. I don't need to interfere because my position is in God is so secure, so loved and so foundational in what he said about me that I am so happy to watch you guys go and do your thing and then I'm going to come in and do my thing. It, it just, I just think that is so cool. But it is in that intimate, like Tim said, that intimate relationship with God, isn't it? That we go, you got to love me. you got to have an incredible purpose for me. I am created. That song, um, we've sung it, you know, it's an older song. And it said, let it be a sweet, sweet sound to your ear. And I just saw and I just saw a picture of God leaning in. You've got his ear. Like the creation of the universe, you've I want to hear. What are you saying? You've got his ear. It's not hear an ear hearing all of you. It's an individual ear to each one of you. You have his full attention. When I give you my ear, it is full attention on you. And that's what you've got with God. It is so cool. So in that intimate time, in that time that he loves for us just to break away with him, that's what you've got with him. And the foundation of I will never leave you, never, I love you, is where you stand in and you stay in when things are tough.
So we, you get that, okay? And you get that, oh, keep getting that strong. Stay there. Because when he asks you to do something that's crazy, like give up your job, and you watch the bank account go tick, 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 down, 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 and then someone pops money into your account, and then the next mob give you money, that space for watching miracles happen is so exciting. But sometimes we need to make that space to see those miracles happen. And we need to be grounded to stay, stay, stay. It's like The Incredibles. Do you guys watch those movies? Yeah. And it, was it Frozo that was going? And, I, and I, was, I think Mr. Incredible was going, wait, wait, wait. They couldn't, they couldn't attack the baddie until it got pretty close. Yeah. That's us. We need to stay, stay, stay. But how do you stay? How do you have that confidence in here? And we're going to help you more in um, like the ministry making sure that you are free of, you know, any emotional things that are, are causing you to panic when you should be staying and to feel confident of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. All right. So can we um, do a bit of praying now? Do you want to – have you got something to – okay. All right. So – I want to pray now, if you feel like you just want to be grounded even more and confident and secure, just like, you know, I never, going back to Tim and I, being just sure that I would marry a taller person. Now, that surety had to be dropped away. God had to, you know, gradually pull that away to say, be more sure in me and in what I'm going to give you and show you. So, Now, I just want you to just, in your spirit, ask the Holy Spirit, is there something that I just want to be sure about and that I will need to release to you? And I want to be confident. And I want him to start to pop verses into your mind about, because this, we're going to ground this in you, okay? You are 100% sure that the Holy Spirit is with you, okay? All right, in your spirit. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you just gradually just show us areas that we might need to just leave a bit loose and say, I thought I was sure about that, but I want to be more sure about your purpose for my life. I want to be fully convinced that you've got good for me. And I want to say yes to what you're leading me into. So we just give those things to you, God, the things that we think we're sure about. But above, over, on top, we want you what you want for us. And we say we want to be brave to trust you with those things. Trust you. Help us to say yes when you're turning our face and you're turning our eyes to what you want for us. 
Help us to stay still while others are doing things, knowing that you have a purpose for us. We don't need to jump in because it's all happening there. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are passionate about each person here and you have a passionate desire to set them on fire in your direction because you know this is the exciting path for them. There is nothing in this world that even compares to your, your path for us, your passion, your desire. It is super exciting. It is seeing people set free. It is being healed. It is healing. It is listening to you, Holy Spirit, and speaking a word when you say it and the person just says, are you kidding me? How did you know that? God, 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 Jesus, 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 Holy Spirit, answer to everything. So just, Lord, Holy Spirit, just keep working in us. Keep working in us to keep us going to that next path, that next door, and help us to switch our heads off and listen to you. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Amen. And again, just keep, if you've got questions, just keep asking questions. So we've got 12 minutes, haven't we? Something like that. <clears throat> awesome. Um, I'm just going to pray and then uh, I'm going I'm to do a big ask. Okay, I'm going to ask something. Okay, so just to add that tension. <laughs> <coughs> so Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're with us. Uh, Father God, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross that we might have life and life to the full. Uh, so Father, we just speak, we just speak peace uh, over each person here, Father, and um, we ask that you would just uh, connect us up with you. Uh, Lord, we choose to drop down and just connect to you right now. And Father, in that place of just connecting with you, Father, we, we ask that you would speak to us. <clears throat> We ask for prophecy, Father, revealing the truth, uh, revelation and understanding. Uh, and those spiritual gifts, Father, um, just to be dropped into us. Father, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, all those things. And Father, we receive from you the things that we need. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to have a crack. We've got uh, 10 minutes. We'd like, to, we'd like to pray for somebody and kind of do a kind of a demonstration thing. Um, so what we do is I do a lot of healing workshops, kind of this kind of thing where a small group like this and we, we uh, uh, get someone at the front and we're going to kind of pray with them and get them to a place that their, their, their pain goes, okay? So this is one of those sort of times where we're like, uh, you know, we've got to use our faith and we all kind of have to go together. Uh, and when we do this a little bit later, we're actually going to do this as a group. Okay, so uh, now there's always that tension of will it work, won't it work, all that kind of stuff, because we have our theology over here, but God actually has to flow through these broken vessels, and I'm a bit of a pot that has cracks in it, and I've got some chips and all that kind of stuff. So when I was praying before, um, I, I saw this picture of uh, lower back pain. Is there anyone here that has lower back pain and is bold enough to come out the front and let me pray with you? And I know it's like, uh, it's a bit of a weird thing. It's like getting out the front and all that kind of stuff. And 
If you don't want to, that's fine too. We can pray for you where you are. But it would be really beneficial for us as a group. The other word that I had was this, the right hip. And uh, so, you know, if you have an ache or a pain in that place, I would love to pray with you. And uh, so while you're kind of thinking about that, um, I'm just going to tell you what we would kind of do. Just because, uh, you know, when we, we go these places, you know, we, we call these things out. The people come up eventually. But I understand that it's very hard to come out the front when you're, you're unsure what's going to happen. All right? So uh, I grew up in uh, all sorts of different churches. So if I explain the process kind of thing so you can kind of understand... Now, a lot of times uh, I would get prayed for and the, the person praying for me would say, oh, look, just put your hands up and receive. And I'd be like, well, I've got my hands up. How do I receive? Oh, I just put them up a bit higher. Uh, okay. Maybe you've got some sin. Maybe you need to forgive someone. And you're like, well, I can't think of anyone. But, uh, you know, so you start naming your family. Now, um, what we realised was that quite often when we do ministry, the, the emphasis for the person ended up back on the person being prayed for. And that's not what we see biblically. You know, do we see Jesus when he's going to pray for people in Galilee? Does he say, look, buddy, you know, you're an absolute mess. Uh, you know, I don't know how we're going to do this. Peter, do you, do you know anyone that we can get? You know, these kinds of things. You know, we, so what we do is when we go to pray for somebody, and even if it's on the street or it's in Woolies or whatever, we actually find a place that's quiet, so might lead them, you know, down the aisle where no one goes or whatever, or maybe we might even say, look, can I just meet you in the car park afterwards? And we get them comfortable. Okay, so, you know, quite often we're not trying to get them to stand on one leg and receive. We're just like, just get comfortable. And if that is, so if, uh, I pray with Aboriginal people in Port Augusta, if that's laying on the ground, then I follow them onto the ground. Okay, so let's say that I had a willing participant and they were sitting in this chair, okay, so I would get down with them, okay? And I look them in the eye. So if I'm doing this on the street and they want to stand, I would stand. If it's at a park bench, I just get down and might sit on the bench next to them. But what we want to do is we want to actually pull down any kind of stations of power that might have been there. So you may have, been, you may have seen people that go up and they pray for people, put their hand on top of the head. We don't do that because that's me kind of exerting my dominance and power over this person. And Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus is not going to exert his power. He's not going to kind of push people around. So um, the other thing that we do is we ask permission for everything that we do. So if, you know, if we have a person here, I would say, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Okay? And they might say, no. So that's okay. I don't need to. Uh, we, 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 we have that kind of connection with people because... You know, it, it seems to, you know, it invokes caring and all those kinds of things. The next thing that we do is that we ask them what would they like from God. And if you go through the Gospels and you've, you look at what Jesus said, Jesus would often say, what do you want me to do? Now, if they came out and they have a glaringly obvious fault, let's say, and they say they, they come forward for prayer and they want to be prayed for for, I don't know, their little finger or something, we go with only what they've said. Because we're going to want to honour them. We want to honour the person that we're praying with and standing with. The other thing we do is that we have no wind-up prayer. Okay, we don't go, Lord, you know, I just thank you that we could meet here in Woolies uh, next to the milk and between the bread <laughs> and next to the buns. And Lord, what a glorious atmosphere this is. Uh, 
And, you know, I don't know if you know, but, you know, the gospel says this and occasionally we'll say that. But, you know, we, we want to cut down that wind-up prayer. If you need that kind of wind-up, do that in your car before you go out and pray with people. So when we come, we're just, like what we did before was we got back to that place of peace. So everyone can start to feel the Holy Spirit sort of, you know, going around in here. And we have to stay in that place when we actually minister to people. So we take away all the positions of power, anything that I could exert over them. I don't even, I don't get excited when they get healed. I'm just like, isn't that awesome? God's just showing up in your life. Do you have anyone else that would like prayer that we can pray with? And we just reset and go straight for the next person. Because we're not trying to, not trying to build a ministry, you know, we're not trying to uh, get people to know us. We're just trying to get our Lord and Saviour known to them. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get this, this demonstration of the Holy Spirit's presence and power in their life. So it's not just a story that I've told them, it's now something that they have kind of you know, felt and heard. So, uh, you know, I've done these sort of healing workshops, you know, all over the place. We do them in our local church, we do them, uh, you know, and it's, what, the, the reason we do them is it comes out of ministry on the kind of street or whether we do home, home sort of talking, that kind of stuff. And in our next session, we're going to talk about hearing from God and why we do some of the things that we do. But one of the biggest things we do is we never judge what the person, like we never judge the person where they're from. I have people tell me, I go to church, I say, look, to, to God it doesn't matter that you go to church. And that might sound a bit weird, but God's heart is for them. Church, you know, we go to church and we, we hang with brothers and sisters in Christ because of God's love in our heart. You know, so there's, there's got to be that, we're talking about that spark that actually brings them to Christ. Uh, and so it may surprise you, it may not surprise you, but... If this was just, if we were on the street, if we were down in Port Augusta on the, the beach there and we said this, we would already have 25 people lined up for prayer, particularly in the, in the Aboriginal people. Um, Aboriginal people are really amazing, particularly like the more kind of uh, that they've been, you know, they've, they've lived in the traditional lands. Uh, and I've talked to heaps of them and they've said things like, you know, we can see the Holy Spirit in people. Even when we're not saved, even when we know nothing about God, we see the Holy Spirit on people as people glowing. You know the iconography that you used to see in like the Sistine Chapel of, of Jesus with like a halo around him? I've heard people tell me that walking down at night, uh, they saw a, a guy and his wife that were pastors. Uh, they didn't know, they were in the dark, they couldn't see. But this guy could actually see them from a distance. And so he was in trouble, so he walked toward them knowing that there was something special about them, that God was with them. So, you know, at, at Western society, we have lost this. We've lost all of this kind of stuff. But there are segments of our society that are already where we need to be. And so part of, part of our journey kind of over these sort of sessions is we're trying to waken that up in all of us. We're trying to get back to that place that we can, you know, we can try some things. Because when we go to do this, there's no guarantee that we are going to get it done. We don't do it because of the guarantee. We do it because Jesus says that we should do it. You know, and that's, that's why we step out. You know, and we keep stepping out whether we see it or not. But two minutes, just a quick testimony that... Uh, so, like, in the last week, 
Uh, I've been praying for people. We've been in a few different sessions. So if you go to uh, a session on Saturday, we saw a lady there that had uh, back pain. She'd had back pain for about eight years. Um, And, you know, she really didn't know how she did it. But she knew that every time she sat down, she had to be careful about how she sat, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, she's been to lots of doctors and, you know, that kind of deal where you go to the specialist and they say, oh, it's this, you need an operation. They sort of have the operation and it doesn't work or, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, And so Heidi and I prayed with her. And quite often what happens is, see, we're not sort of like, uh, you know, you may have seen the name and claim it kind of stuff. Like, that's not us. So what we're doing is we're like, God, what, what do we say to this lady? Because you know we can't do anything. I can't make a back better. I can't even counsel them as a pastor. I've tried that. I've tried to, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to cancel people out of their pain. And it doesn't work. But what does work is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit tells us what to say. So let's say that uh, she had some personal information that uh, was going on in her life. And we might be in a group like this. So what the Holy Spirit does is it gives us a word that we can say to her that we know that but without everyone else knowing that. Uh, And so you might get a picture, and it might be quite specific, and it might be just, like the other day I was praying with a lady, and she had had this reoccurring thing in her calf muscles where she just had a lot of pain, she couldn't walk after a hip replacement. And and I'm praying with her, and I see a spider up in the corner of a kitchen, and it's making a web. And I say, Brian, go up and flick the spider out, and then the spider goes back and makes a web. And I'm like, I've got no idea what that is. And so the Holy Spirit, when he gives us a word for us, it's not for us, it's for the person. So when you get that picture, you speak that out to the person, not knowing what that's going to do. Um, And then as I spoke it out, I realised that it was, you know, it was that spider in the corner of your kitchen that when you shoo it away and you get the mortine spray, it just comes back and keeps doing it. So God was telling me and her that this had been a reoccurring thing. So I knew that this lady would feel shame over the fact that this had been reoccurring and she hadn't done anything about it. So this is God's way of providing a picture that lets me know what's going on. She knows that the Holy Spirit is hearing her and has her best interests at heart, but no one else knows around. And so we prayed with her and her pain left. So the, the thing that we're sort of doing, we're trying to model is is not like, uh, you know, you can't just sort of take it this step, this step, this step. It's, it's truncated on being able to hear God, but acting even when it doesn't make sense. And so then we're actually just speaking God's power to do that last bit. So that is the end of that session. So when we uh, so think about it over assess, if you, we'd love to pray with you. Um, and... It would be great if we could have a guinea pig. We've never done one of these without a guinea pig that's got up and we've prayed with them and they've got healed. So, uh, you know, and what's the worst that could happen? You're going to get prayed for and you're going to get these lovely people to pray for you as well. So uh, I'll hand you over to...